the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As the Apostle Paul winds himself down in this book of Romans that he is penning for the church, he does so with practical views in mind. And one of those practical views is what our life in Christ should look like towards one another. Should look just like Jesus and his love for us, as we'll see next on Abounding Grace. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love bacon. There's a lot of things that we love, and we have different loves that approach these things. But when it comes to the body of Christ, there should be a different kind of love that takes over. And it's that kind of love that we're looking at here today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Welcome to the program. We're back in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13, in a message called Love's fervent service. Join us for a very encouraging look at just exactly what our love for one another should look like. Here's Pastor Gary now with today's Abounding Grace. Once when Peter was preaching, he said that Jesus went about doing good, a life of love, healing the sick, raising the dead, feeding the hungry. And we see his life of love spelled out in these verses for today. He hated evil. He held fast to what was good, even when it cost his own life for us on the cross. He certainly wasn't lazy. He had diligent days and diligent, busy nights. He was fervent, very fervent in spirit. And the word fervent here means to boil, in verse 11, to boil with white heat. He could run the money changers out of the temple, and yet he would go out of his way to Samaria because there was a sinful woman there that he wanted to be with him forever. He went to the cross, verse 12, for the joy that was set before him, the hope of doing his Father's will, the hope of bringing many men to glory. He was patient in tribulation when his family laughed at him, when his enemies persecuted him, mocked him, and crucified him. Peter said in 1 Peter 2, he committed his soul to his father, and he endured patiently. He was constantly in prayer. Sometimes after a hard day, he would go out and pray through the night, And he certainly was a giver, we see in verse 13. Of course, if you have read the Gospels, you don't need me to give you any examples of that. I'm sure many come to your mind. He was given, even given to hospitality. You may remember that for a brief period of time, he stayed in a house in Capernaum. And when John the Baptist was preaching nearby, he would 
he had people over to this home and he stayed with them all night. So what we see in these verses on love is the most perfect picture of love in our Savior's own life. And he teaches us here by walking with him, by fellowship with him, how we can live a life of love which is heavenly on earth. So let's apply these verses to ourselves because in so doing, we are really applying Jesus to ourselves. He says in verse 11, not slothful in business or not lazy. Of course, laziness has wrecked many societies. It may be doing the same thing to ours. It has wrecked many homes. When fathers should be guiding their families in the ways of God, oftentimes they either don't know how or they simply don't care. Jesus Christ delivers men from laziness. How does he do this? He died on the cross for our laziness. He was nailed to the tree for this sin among many others that we ought, that we, when, we ought, when we ought to be doing the will of God, we are often sound asleep or we are focused only on doing what we want to do. And he rose again to newness of life so that we could have his new life in us by his spirit of diligence. So if we are going to avoid this sloth, this laziness, then we have to go to Jesus. There's no point in pretending. There's no point in, well, I'll overcome it later. How many times have we made resolutions of it will be different tomorrow and it is never different tomorrow, is it? Why? Because our resolutions can't save us and they cannot change us. Only Jesus can do that. So each one of us, when we hear that we are supposed to be like Jesus, that we are supposed to be diligent, that we're not supposed to be lazy, whether it be in our homes or our callings or the duties of love within this congregation, which is the primary context here, what are we supposed to do? Go to Jesus and ask him, Lord, forgive me. Confess, I have been lazy. I've been distracted. Sometimes we're born with things that make us weak. Maybe it's something physical. Maybe we, and we all do, acquire sins later and bad habits that are huge obstacles to really being diligent as we're called to. They make us distracted. They make us lazy. But Paul, as a good example, had some kind of physical ailment that was a little bit embarrassing to him, that he asked the Lord to take away from him three times, but the Lord did not. So what did Paul say? Well, then I'm excused. I've got a disability. I've got this weakness. No, Paul said, I realized by God's grace that he gave this to me as a part of the way. I'm supposed to serve him. So I'm going to boast in it. I'm going to boast in my bad vision. Or for us, maybe our bad knees or my bad back or my bad family. I'm going to boast in it. 
And I'm going to seek to love and obey and serve God by His strength because I don't have any. I'm going to do the best I can because when I boast in it, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 10 through 12, then the power of Christ rests upon me. When I use these things, God brought into my life. God brought these things. They're not mistakes. They weren't bad luck. God brought these things into my life. Why? So that I could seek Him more. God brought your husband, your wife, your children, your body, your health, your finances, your work, your appearance, everything into your life. And God has ordained these things. But very often we turn them into excuses. Well, I can't do this because of that. Come on, I know I'm going to go to heaven by God's grace, so don't ask me to work really hard to overcome this obstacle. You know I'm busy. I've got a lot to do. And I've lived with this, after all, all my life. Yeah, but we have the Lord Jesus and His example that He went about doing good no matter what. And John says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 4, that the person who says he is in Jesus and knows Jesus ought to walk as he walked. We don't want to be like those in the Gospels. When Jesus looked at them and said, follow me, they said, but I've got a sick father. Or, Lord, my business is really taking a lot of my time right now. I've got to go and try out this new product that I've just acquired. And they said, Lord, I've got to go and bury my dead parent. But what did Jesus say? Follow me. Follow me in those things with those weaknesses. So each one of us needs to say, Lord, where have I been lazy? What are the obstacles you brought into my life that would keep me from being diligent. Maybe I don't have the sharpest mind. Maybe I don't have the most alert physical existence. Maybe I've got this malady that I was born with or I acquired. Whatever it may be. But God doesn't say, okay, in that case, you can retire now. He says, you bring that to me because I've brought that into your life to set you to praying so that in praying you will see my strength in your weakness and you will glorify me. You might say, yeah, but I still won't be able to do very much. You know what? We are way too results oriented because it's not the results that matter. Those are all in God's hands God wants each one of us seeking Him, confessing our weaknesses, waiting on Him, and then getting out of the boat with Peter and saying, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do this duty, this act of love, this piece of work. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to change. I don't know how in the world I'm going to change things in my home that need to be changed. I only know that with you, there is abundant mercy and strength. So I'm going to take you at your word and trust you and start out doing what you have called me to do. Now he says the serving is to be done with a degree of fervency. 
I mentioned earlier that this word means boiling, boiling with white heat. You might say, well, good, I'm exempted here because my personality is more passive. Well, granted, fervency is going to be expressed differently in different people. But God takes that into account because he made our different kinds of personalities. But however we define this fervency, it is still to be fervent. It still has to have the traits of fervency. And let me give you four traits of fervency, this fervent spirit that every one of us should seek. One, there should be in each one of us a growing love for Jesus. He should be the passion of our lives. Not so that we can end up being something or someone. Not so other people can say, hey, it's obvious he loves Jesus. But because Jesus loved us and gave himself for us. It doesn't matter if anyone else knows what I'm doing. I'm just going to live a very quiet and out-of-the-way type of life, out of my love for Jesus. Because of what he has done for me and because of what he is doing for me at the right hand of the Father. So that's the first thing. A fervency, quietly, a deep growing love for Jesus, which grows, by the way, the more we grow in grace and in knowledge. So if we aren't in the Word, our love for Jesus can grow. It just kind of goes down and quietly dies. If we are not where His Word is preached, that love cannot grow because He feeds it with His Word. That is one trait. The second trait is certainly a desire to see God honored. For God's sake. Calvin says the dog barks when his master is attacked. We see God attacked everywhere today. As a matter of fact, it is so common we hardly ever recognize it as an attack anymore. One sick response to the COVID pandemic is that no government officials called upon the name of God and said, we need to repent. Just in the fact of not calling upon God, he is blasphemed. So what should I do? Our hearts should be broken and we should sing and pray Psalm 69. Lord, the heathen have come into the inheritance that you promised to your son and they have broken down its hedges and torn down its wall. Help us to stand strong for you. You see, if we are fervent in spirit, we're going to be concerned for God's glory. And when we hear other people blaspheme, we're going to cringe. And if we have the opportunity, we will say something to those people because we are concerned for his honor. And of course, we're going to be willing, if we have this fervency of spirit in the context of Romans 12, to spend and be spent for one another. Why? Because I'll feel guilty if I don't. Bad reason, beloved. Guilt doesn't last. Guilt does not work, period. Guilt just brings more guilt because it feeds on itself. The way we receive strength to spend and be spent for each other, serving meals, hospitality, love, kindness, encouragement, 
biting your tongue when you want to say something about someone you know you shouldn't, that comes from Jesus because of our union with him who went about doing good and is the lover of our souls. He changes us so that we walk as he walked. So the more we walk with Jesus, the more we're going to want to spend and be spent for each other. So if you find yourself thinking, uh, you know, I really don't want to serve. I just can't serve anyone but myself. I just don't have any time. I don't have any energy. It's just all gone. Again, the only one who can cure us is Christ. Principles won't cure you. Guilt won't cure you. Nothing will cure you. You need to go back to first things, which is Jesus, and say, Lord, change me, sift me, smash my idols, give me your loving heart. And of course, we can't mention fervency without also thinking of God's word because his word feeds all of these things. Do you remember the two on the road to Emmaus? Jesus opened the Old Testament to them, systematically going through the scriptures and sharing with them the things concerning themselves. And what did they do? Was it, well, this is boring. Give us something that's got a story to it. Oh, you want a story? Hear of the love of God revealed down through the ages, his mercy, his faithfulness, his grace, all pointing to Jesus. That is what Jesus shared with them, and it says their hearts burned within them. Disciples' hearts burn when they hear the word. It is not boring. They want it. They love it. They cling to it. Oh, it may convict them, but that's okay. We all need convicting. It may humble me, but that's okay. I need humbling. It may show things that I need to do, but I'm not doing. That's okay. I can produce a long list for myself, and I'm sure you can for yourself, of things I should be doing, but I'm not doing, and probably things I shouldn't be doing. But I want the Word, no matter what, because nothing is more precious to me than the voice of Jesus teaching me through Scripture. You see, there are a lot of people that say, I just wish Jesus would come because I'd love to hear him. These two people even know, these two people didn't even know it was Jesus who was speaking to them. And he talked to them from Scripture. So there is an inseparable connection between the word and the voice of Jesus or the word faithfully preached. Jesus is the one who set this up. I didn't. That's why he gave some to be pastors, teachers, and apostles, and prophets. Because his loving voice is heard when the word is read prayerfully, and we meditate upon it, and when we hear it preached. So if we want fervency, we've got to have a steady diet of his word that shows us God's glory that shows us his nearness to us and his love for us in Christ. We are to be fervent in spirit. I want to say more, another word about fervency. 
You probably notice that the children of this world sing and dance over all kinds of things they believe are great treasures. Simple pleasure, video games, celebrities, money. Many worship centers will meet around major cities in the Bay Area today in which men with gloves will throw around a hard, spherical object and hit it with a bat. And people will scream and yell and holler. And they have their preachers on the side. We'll call them cheerleaders who encourage everyone to sing and praise these ballplayers. Now granted, the zeal of the world has for its perishing things is different from the zeal that we have. Our zeal is more measured. It is sober. It is fearful. Because it is a zeal for the living God. But remember, the world had things that perish with, Paul says, their using of them. But God has given us eternal treasures. He has opened heaven for us. Right now where you sit, tomorrow when you're struggling, Wednesday when you may be sick, we have eternal treasures. It is a shame when the world, and in fact it's embarrassing when the world sings and dances over the graves of our patriarchs and we are just cold and lifeless when we hear of God's treasures. It shouldn't be this way. They serve dead and lifeless and pathetic gods. We serve the living and true God. Something is seriously wrong with us if there is not singing in our homes Parents, if we're not talking about the gospel themes with our children, it is no wonder the children want to go where the cheering seems to be. They're young. They're immature. What should we expect? Of course, they're not going to want to go where the... They're going to want to go where the noise is and where it looks like everyone is having a good time. Now, granted, I realize these things don't compare exactly apples to apples, But in a fundamental level, they do. In the house of the righteous is singing. Parents, fathers, you especially. If your children never hear you say Jesus in your home and smiling, they will likely go astray. There is enough of a battle if they do hear you talk about Jesus and see you smile. But if they don't hear it, Why? Because the human heart craves joy. And so it's going to go to the wrong place if it's not guided by the gospel and it is subdued by the reins of the gospel. The heart craves happiness. God is the one who's made us this way. The problem is not that we want to be happy and joyful. The problem is that we always want happiness and joy in the wrong places until God comes and changes us. Parents, you are a leading defense of this in your home. I'm telling you, I'm not telling you to go out and smile a lot because, of course, that won't last long. You've got to come to Christ. And the joy of the Lord must become your strength rejoicing in Him, loving Him for what He has done, thanking on Christ, then you'll have fervency that will be seen as far superior to anything the world has to offer. 
because the last line in verse 11, we are serving the Lord. This is big. All this is connected. The love, the diligence, the fervency, because of whom we are serving. Paul says in Colossians 3, we serve the Lord Christ. What a precious blessing, beloved. We serve the Lord Christ, the one who loves us and gave himself for us, the one who reigns. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner. The ministry of Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose. As always, it's a delight spending time with you here in God's Word. And if today's program has been especially helpful to you, we'd love to hear about it. Would you take a moment and contact us? Let us know how the program is encouraging you in Christ. It would mean a great deal to us. From time to time, we'd like to know how the program is being used by God. And that would be a great gauge for us. A quick letter or a phone call. Here's how to contact us, 408-866-5607. That's our phone number, 408-866-5607. Or you can write to us at PMB, that's PMB number 402-1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB for post mailbox, number 402-1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is the zip code. If you'd like to know more about Reformed Heritage Church of San Jose or Pastor Gary Wagner and Abounding Grace, you can visit our website, reformedheritage.org. That's reformedheritage.org. And leave us an email when you stop by. Let us know you paid us a visit. You're also welcome to, again, call. That phone number is 408-866-5607. If you'd like a copy of today's program, by the way, mention today's date when you contact us and we'll get a copy out to you. The cost is $5. And any amount you send above and beyond cost of resource materials will go right back into the radio program, as this is a listener-supported ministry. We're able to continue our daily presence here on this station as you continue to support us financially and prayerfully. We appreciate your help in this endeavor. Thank you again. For further information, reformedheritage.org or 408-866-5607. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.